What's up, everybody, and welcome to Average Cheese. I'm Dale Lobel, alongside my co-host and longtime friend Todd Widener, and we are Average Cheese. We offer a unique perspective and entertaining conversation on what we love to talk about more than anything, the 13-time world champion Green Bay Packers. You can talk to us or find us on Twitter at AVGCheese, and you can also get a hold of us at email at AVGCheese at gmail.com. we got a great show planned for today with a lot to talk about, so sit back, crack a cold one, and join us. Welcome to Episode 4. Todd and I are going to talk about impact players for this season, as well as Jordy Nelson's retirement, Leroy Butler's possible Hall of Fame birth, will it ever happen, and will Charles Woodson go in as a Packer or a Raider? Before we get into our topics, though, we have a new segment, Questions with a 7-Year-Old. We have a special guest today, Todd's son, Erickson. Yeah, I'm very happy to introduce our very first guest here, on the average, geez, it's taken some time and tracking him down and trying to find time in his schedule, but he's here now. And um, he took a break from arguing with his sister and playing Animal Jam on his iPad to come in here and, and make this happen. So without further ado, Average Cheese welcomes my son, Erickson Widener, to the show. How are you doing today, bud? Oh, I'm doing awesome. I'm very, very excited to be on the show with you guys. And, well... Okay, so let's get started. Okay, great. So we, we have a couple of questions for you. I know, you. I know you're kind of busy, so we'll get you out of here pretty quick. But we wanted to know who is your favorite Packer on offense and who is your favorite Packer on defense? And maybe a little bit as to why you chose those guys. So let's start with offense first. Who is your favorite Packer on the offense? Oh, I really like Aaron Jones because uh, – he really is fast. He also um, was. He also got the all-time touchdowns. Yeah, he scored quite a few of them last year, right? Yeah, over twenty. Yeah, he's he's quite a yeah. dynamic player for us, and we we love watching him break away for touchdowns. Right? We always are yelling at the TV, Jose. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's that's the offense. What about the defense? How who do you like there, and why? I really like Zadarius Smith because yeah. he sacks all the quarterbacks. I think he might have got in the top five for the most sacks. We'd have to look that up, but you're probably pretty close there, bud. It looks like you're doing some good uh, homework and getting your stats brushed up before the season, so that's good to hear. The other thing about Zadarius Smith I think that you like too is that he, he does like some pretty cool celebrations after he does uh, – oh, yeah. after he sacks the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You like those? Yeah. Okay. Are you allowed to do those type of you know celebrations when you're playing football? No. <laughs> well, I did see see this guy on the other team when I was playing. He when he scored a touchdown, he dropped the football and started doing the floss. Yeah, he did the floss. That's, That's awesome. awesome. 
I have a question for you too, Erickson. So what was your favorite moment as a Packer fan? I liked when we went together to actually see the Packers versus Raiders. Yeah, that was last year, right? Mm-hmm. They beat them up. Was that your very first time at Lambeau? No, it was actually my second. But it was your first game, right? Yes, yeah. at Lambeau. Yeah, what did we do the next day? Remember? Oh, we went back and got a tour on the field. Right where we, awesome. and we got to get on the field, right where you do the Lambo leap, right? Did you get to touch that spot and go through the tunnel? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think of that? Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> it was pretty nice. It was actually pouring rain that day. So it actually, there was nobody doing tours. Okay. So we, we basically had the two tour guides give us, it was just personal and, tour. Yeah. Personal tour. So it was pretty cool. That is awesome. What are your predictions? What do you, how do you think the Packers are going to do this year? How many wins are we going to have? I really want them to beat the Dolphins' all-time record. They never got defeated, made it, made it to the Super Bowl, and won that Super Bowl. I want to beat that or tie it. I want to tie that. And then next year, do it again. Those are my predictions. And I think Aaron Jones is going to stay on the Packers for a very long time, and he's going to get more and more touchdowns. We hope he stays. We do. He's a heck of a player. So last question, buddy. What other teams do you like in the NFL? I like the Browns, Buffalo Bills, and Patriots. Awesome. Well, hey, um, we want to thank you for being our very first interview, our very first guest here on The Average Cheese. It's going to be something you can take with you the rest of your life and tell people about that you are our very first guest. So that's a pretty big honor. So we want to thank you for taking the time out of your day and, and coming in and sharing your thoughts on, on how the Packers are going to do this year. So thank you, Erickson Widener. You may go back to doing whatever you are doing today. So thank you very much. All right. So thanks to Erickson for coming on. Uh, let's get to some topics. Topic one. From last week, because we didn't get to it, because we talked so much about uh, race and that important conversation. We didn't get to a lot of Packer talks, so this is left over from last week. We're going to talk about the three impact players on offense and defense for 2020. You have three, and I have two on each side of the ball. Why don't you start? Let's start with offense. Well, I think for offense this year, the big piece that's been missing over the last three years, i.e. Jimmy Graham, is the production from the tight end position. You know, what Lafleur has mentioned in the past leading up to this year is he wants some more explosive plays. And I think the person that can deliver on that is going to be Sternberger. Um, his position is, is going to be vital to making, to taking the offense to the next level and taking it out of the, where it was last year. So I, I wish he wouldn't have gotten hurt last year and, and missed some games. You know, I think it was a, a concussion, wasn't it? He like did that. have a concussion. He got cheap shotted. I want to say it was the Washington game, something really? like that, where he got hit late and that, no. that caused his concussion. Yeah, you no. know, I wonder if Sternberger would have been healthy last year if we even draft Josiah DeGuara this year. You know, I, I don't know. Huh. I don't I never understood the pick. We talked about it Ugh. in the first episode. But yeah. if Jay Sternberger has 60 catches for 800 yards and a couple of touchdowns, you probably don't even draft that guy in the third round because you don't think you need him because you already have your tight end for the future. I've taken a couple of uh, looks at, at Sternberger when he was in college, man. I mean, he was explosive. I mean, he was dominant in, in college. I mean, he did a lot, a lot of good things. So, I mean, the upside for this guy in that position is through the roof. 
I mean, he can he can really add to this offense. I think he's going to be a weapon for Aaron Rodgers. Um, that that's been missing for a long time. I saw the, the stuff on Jay Sternberger too, and I thought, man, he looked like a man playing against little boys in some of those games, like dragging yeah. dudes down the field as he's running. He I, I look forward to Jay Sternberger if he can stay healthy the entire year. I think he's going to be great. I'm with you on the impact player. I, he has to be an impact player because they need to get something out of the tight end position. They clearly didn't get it with Graham. I mean, I get that they held on to Graham basically for money reasons. Um, yeah. But now his, it's his time. And if DeGuara is, is on, you know, on his backside watching out, it'll motivate Sternberger to be even better. The question for Sternberger is going to be, can he – that's going to be a lot of weight on his shoulders. There's going to be a lot of expectations going into camp and not really having a lot of the game time from last year. It's going to be a lot to handle. So I'm hoping he's up for it because talent-wise, it's all there. So the other two, uh, and these are just obvious choices for anyone who's following the Packers, but it's MVS and St. Brown, right? I mean, I kind of paired them together as a package, but these two have got to – this is the year. There's no more waiting around on these two to see whether or not they're going to, you know, break out of this, this rut that the two of them have been in. I don't really know what it is. It, it appears to me that MVS, at least, is completely out of sync with uh, Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know what that is, but it, it just looks that way. Well, MVS drop balls. I mean, one yeah. of the things that Rodgers needs to know, and he always seems to go back to confidence, he has to know that you're going to catch the ball when he throws it to you because he's going to put it on your hands most of the time. You know, MBS is not playing with some quarterback that's throwing it all over the place. He's not playing with Josh Allen, who's going to throw it through your chest, maybe, but he also might throw it, you know, 15 rows into the stands. Aaron Rodgers is going to put the ball where you need to have it, and if you don't catch it, Rodgers loses confidence in you pretty quickly. And when you don't produce those great things, then you're done. Now, he is, he is a physical freak, right? Yeah, so, I was just going to mention five pounds, yeah. super fast. He is the deep threat, um, but he was drafted late. So there's reasons yeah. why he was drafted late. I don't know why the Packers decide to draft guys so late when they've had such success picking guys early. Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, who we'll talk about later. All yep. early picks and all turned out great. And now we're trying to pull guys you know, from the fifth, sixth round or undrafted, and we expect them to be great. My biggest problem with MVS, and I don't think he's going to break out. I don't. I just don't have the confidence that he's going to. His catch percentage is embarrassingly low. Oh, and I right. know, he, I know yeah. he's a deep threat guy, so balls thrown at him, you know, it's less likely to be completed. But his, it's like 45%. He catches like 45% of the balls thrown at him. Right. And I think that's why he's not going to break out. I mean, I hope he does. We both hope he does, of course. Because they need that deep threat, but I just don't see it with him. What yeah, about I think he's going to be St. Brown? Well, I mean, last year I, I read some stuff on him too, which was kind of interesting. But you know, I didn't realize how, how the transaction with him went last year. You know, he got he got hurt late, like right before they had to have the fifty-three man roster, and the Packers were in a position to make some choices to either keep him on the fifty-three man roster and put him on injured reserve, which would take him out of out of play for eight weeks or they could just put him on injured reserve and he'd be out for a year to rehab and it, this was an ankle sprain 
right? So it wasn't like this was some catastrophic surgery or something like that. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. So he's, he's had the time to rehab. I think the Packers' decision there kind of backfired on him too because all of a sudden Devontae went down, right, last year. And then that put him into a position where they had to just start going to the practice squad. And luckily, they pull Lazard out of the, out of the hat and he, he emerges. I don't know about this guy either. Like uh, St. Brown just, I don't know. You see flashes and then you see nothing. Yeah, I mean, I granted he got hurt, so we didn't get to see a full body of work. And he's a young guy, so young guys get better over time. Like year two is supposed to be the magic year for everybody. So they should improve. I mean, he caught 21 balls last year. Uh, he can improve on that. He has to improve on that or he needs to go. It's that simple. Yeah, and these two, these two guys in BS and St. Brown, they're going to be sitting in that number four, number five spot uh, on the depth chart. So, I mean, I know the rotation is going to be in and out for Lafleur. He likes to mix and match a lot of stuff up. But So we'll see how much playing time they can actually get. Clearly Adams, right? Adams, Bunches, Lazard. Then these two guys are the four, four, five. That's how we think. Yeah, I think it's going to go definitely, yeah. Adams, Lazard. And, and, and like you said, I think you said in the previous shows, two and three really doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Long it doesn't really matter. Balls. Two is a three, right? So I think it goes Adams, Lazard, Funchess, MBS, St. Brown. And then the battle for number six is going to be between Kumaro Bagleton. and Bagleton. And I see, you know, and we talked about, I don't want to get too far off track, but I do see Bagleton as, you know, a much more athletic person than Kumaro. And I love Jake Kumaro. But I think this year he might get he might lose his seat. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. So, but MVS, so your three breakout players, your impact players this year: yep. Sternberger, MVS, and St. Brown, all guys that catch the football. Yep. <laughs> we, we need at least one of those guys to break out. Yep. So I'll do mine. So I'll, along the same vein, I think that breakout guy is Devin Funches. I think that he has more talent. Sternberger, I think, is uber-talented for a tight end. But as far as the receivers go, more talented than MVS and St. Brown. And I think that he will have more catches. I think he will break out this year. I think he knows that he's playing for his career. He's playing with the best quarterback he's ever played with. Now, granted, he played with Cam Newton. But Cam Newton isn't super accurate with the football, whereas Rodgers will put the ball on him where he needs it to be. So he is my breakout guy on offense. I think Bunches will be the two receiver. I think he'll be ahead of Lazard and the rest of those guys, MVS, St. Brown, Begleton. I think he'll be the two. I think Bunches will be the two. And I think he's probably going to catch between 65 and 70 balls this year. He, he adds to uh, you know, an imposing group. You got Bunches, MVS, St. Brown, Sternberger, and if Kumaro makes it, I mean, those guys are all going 6'4 and above. So if you're a DB or linebacker on the, on the opposing side staring these guys down, I mean, it's a lot to handle. Yeah, if the, if the Packers are playing against small DBs, Rodgers should have a field day, and should, so should the receivers. Um, and this one is uh, kind of ridiculous, but I, I'm just going to say it. I think that Aaron Rodgers is an impact player this year. Oh, great, Dale. Huh? The MVP, the Super Bowl MVP is going to be an impact player for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, my answer is, yeah. I think that his second year in this offense, where he doesn't feel like he has to just make stuff up out there, and if, if he can play within the system 
not to be a system quarterback, but to be a Hall of Fame quarterback that's playing within a system, I think he's going to be even more successful than he's been in the past. You look at guys like Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't have anywhere near the physical skills that Aaron Rodgers has, but has been super successful because he plays within a system and he's a great quarterback. You know, He's going to have an MVP-type season again this year. Yeah, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, right? Yeah. You, go and draft, you draft Jordan Love. I mean, that's going to that's gonna light a fire. And we all know that's coming. It's a side of Aaron Rodgers we haven't had to see yet, but I'm excited to see it for sure. I was looking at his stats just for the heck of it because we all know Aaron Rodgers' stats are great, right? Like he is a Hall of Fame quarterback, so his stats are going to be off the charts. Guys dream of having the stats that he has in a down year. They would love to have those stats in their best year. Last year, so this is, this is his stats from last year, and he is nowhere to go but up, which is ridiculous. He only threw 26 touchdowns last year, and, but he only had four picks. His career interception percentage is 1.4. The last two years, his, it's under 1%. He's thrown six picks in like 1,200 pass attempts. It's outrageous. But he only had 25 touchdowns in 18 and 26 touchdowns in 19. And I think those are down years for him. And I think he's going to be 30-plus, even though the Packers are going to run the football more. I think he will increase his touchdown total, and he'll stay the same in picks. And I think he's going to have a huge impact. What about defense? What, who are your impact players on defense? I, I mean, i got to start with Gary uh, right off the top. And I – you know, the, there's been a lot of talk about him. Everybody knows about, you know, anytime his name is mentioned, it's, you know, everyone mentions what a, a physical freak is. We all know that. Um, the questions are, can he play uh, at this level? Can he play at the pro level? So my thoughts on Gary is that, you know, he, he was, what, a 12th overall pick? Yeah. Something like that? that 12th right. overall 12th, pick? 13th. I mean – he had his year, right, to kind of learn, learn the system, get a, get a couple of, of reps here and there. Okay, that's over, right? You're a 12th overall pick. This is the year that you have to – they have to find a way to get him on the field to, to prove what he can do. And one of the ways I personally think he can do it is to put him down uh, on the right side. You know, obviously Lancaster and Lowry are probably two of the worst defensive – yeah. lineman in, in the NFL, right? And you've got this physical freak on the sideline who's 6'5", 280. You put him on the right side, and you've got, you've got him and Zadarius Smith on the right side coming at you. Maybe it's just he's going in. You keep Lancaster or Lowry in there for running plays, and maybe, and maybe he's just coming in on passing downs as a, as a down lineman. But I would love to see him in that type of rotation um, along with uh, – getting some reps in on the outside for either of the Smiths. Yeah. I mean, Gary played with his hand down in college. It's not like it's going to be so foreign to him that he can't figure it out. I think, you know, playing in space is more difficult for him. So I, I agree. He yeah. needs to play with his hand down. He needs to play defensive end, especially on passing downs. Yeah. Those two guys, if you stack Smith and Gary, no matter which Smith it is yeah. on one side, that causes problems. You, have, you can't oh, di- sure. double-team every guy. No. And you really probably shouldn't double-team one side of the line. So if Smith and Gary are coming from one side, you have to double-team one of them, probably. 
And then you got Preston Smith on the other side or Zadaria Smith or whoever's on the other side has room to roam. He's against one guy and I'll take that situation all day long. Those guys one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'm Petten who likes to, he's just like Lafleur, right? They love to mix and match different looks and different schemes and players and all, all this stuff. Right. I mean, once you get into camp, at least experiment with this, right? To see whether or not he can handle it. Is he the is the question on on Gary is going to be is he going to be physical enough? Because you see him when he when he's rushing on the outside, he doesn't appear to have to be that kind of nasty physical guy, right? That likes contact and and getting dirty, right? It doesn't appear like he is that type of player. But if you put him on the line, he's going to have to be that player. It's a violent environment as soon as that ball is snapped. So that would be my only question on him. And then I have um, my, my other impact players. Obviously, we've talked about Kirksey. You know, he's, you know, he's coming in off of injuries. The guy is going to be an obvious upgrade over Martinez or Goodson. I really see him as making an impact. If he can stay healthy, um, we've got a mo- much more athletic and dynamic player. I think that elevates the, the overall defense tenfold from last year. No arguments here. Christian Kersey is a huge upgrade from Blake Martinez. He's a playmaker. He's, he's the answer. If the question right. was, how are we going to stop the 49ers? I think he's the answer. And I think they got him on a cheap. He, he's going to make an impact. If he doesn't make an impact, we have nothing behind him. Oren Burks is behind him. Ty yes. Summers is behind him. You know, we talked about uh, Clay Matthews maybe coming in, but Clay Matthews can't play 16 games in the middle. So if Kirksey isn't the answer, we, we don't have an answer. No. He has to be an impact player for the Packers to return to the NFC championship. And he has to stay healthy. I mean, we we know we'll get production out of him. He just has to stay, get on the field and stay there. My last one's going to be, um, is Kiki. There's a lot of talk around this guy. There's a lot of talk around him last year. He was a late round pick, surprised everybody in camp, right? This is the year to get Kiki. I I think he's going to challenge Lowry or Lancaster for a starting, for a starting spot. I really do. He's a better. He's a definite upgrade. Make a make an immediate impact. I think um, he lacks a little bit of experience, but I think his time is now. You know, get him into camp, get him ready for the season, and I think uh, replacing either Lowry or Lancaster will definitely be an an upgrade for the defense uh, overall. I mean, both Lowry and Lancaster were allergic to the quarterback, so why yeah, not yeah. play Kings of Kiki? I mean, why not play right. him? He can't be less productive. No. The only thing he could do, you know, you said he was inexperienced, of course. He's 100% inexperienced because he was a, a rookie last year. So does he do the right things? Like, does he know where to line up? I mean, it's, he's an interior lineman. I know he's yeah, an end, sure. but he's an interior guy in the 3-4. Unless you line up super wide and, you know, create a huge gap, how can he be worse? He can't be. He yeah. can't be worse. He can't be worse than zero sacks or one sack. I mean, I don't no. think. Between, between Lancaster and, and Lowry last year, 1.5 sacks. Well, and, and, and it's worse. And they were all Lancaster, I think. I think Lowry had zero. Well, and if you think about it, like, if both Smiths are chasing the quarterback, you think that Lowry or Lancaster would accidentally bump into the quarterback who's running for his life back there. But you can't. You didn't even get a sack in that instance. You got two of the best pass rushing guys in the league chasing the quarterback around, and Kenny Clark. And you somehow can't find your way to the quarterback when you know you're never getting double teamed. Never. 
They're, they can't right. even get the one-on-one matchups against the guard and tackle. He has to play because he has to be an impact guy too. Otherwise, yeah. you end up with zero tackles or whatever, zero sacks for the year. So those are my three. I think those three, we already kind of know about a lot of the other players that are returning. But I think it's those three right there can definitely elevate our defense for, for the upcoming season. Absolutely. Um, so my first one, and again, mine are really kind of duh. Like, of course, they're going to have impacts. They're not going to shock anybody. Well, my first one is Darnell Savage. This kid is the real deal. He is going to be a pro bowler at some point in his career, if not this year, because, you know, he'll as a second-year guy, he's going to have to get the respect of the league because, you know, the Pro Bowl is really just a popularity contest. He's going to play at an all-pro level. Last year, he led the league in drop picks. Yeah, you know, I saw that. He had four, I think. I think he was tied with a bunch of guys at four. He had two picks. He's, he's after the football. He's going to strip the football. He's always got his hat on things. I think for that reason, he's, if he catches half those balls, if he catches three or four, plus he's going to be in a better position this year. You know, he learns the defense. He's a second-year guy. It's going to be a little bit more automatic. He won't be thinking out there. He's going to have the opportunity to create more plays because he's going to be in a position to make plays. Whereas last year, he might have been thinking about things, trying to figure out where he was supposed to be. It'll be more natural to him. I'll say he has, he has six picks, even if he drops yeah. a couple this year. And he handled the pressure last year, right? I mean, there was no – they fast-tracked this guy. There was no obstacles with him. They were like, you're a rookie, you're starting, end of story. So, I mean, that's a lot to handle as a rookie, right? He didn't really have to, like, get groomed and, and you know, to get out there. It was just fast track, and he handled it well. And in Tons year two, he should get better. I mean, that's the, the biggest jump for most guys. You, you talked about his drop passes. I, I wonder what the stat is on the Packers defense last year for dropped interceptions. It seems like they just drop a lot. Like I, I know Alexander. That's why they're not playing wide receiver in the league, and they're playing right. defensive back, right? Um, my second impact guy, and again, no surprise because he's already made a huge impact and is a great player, is Kenny Clark. Yeah. I know I talked about my man crush on Kenny Clark, and it will continue as long as he wears a Packer jersey, and hopefully he will, after his free agency, they will sign him to a big contract because he deserves it. He's been on the Packer roster since he was 20. Jeez. Kenny Clark is, is not even 25 years old yet. Man child. Yeah. Yeah, like you talk about like man strength and stuff. So he's going to get stronger probably than he was. Yeah. And he's, uh, yeah. So Kenny Clark's stats, I had him up in front of me. Of course, I always lose this stuff when we start talking. But Kenny Clark is an impact player already. And now that they've got greater tools around him, if Rashawn Gary becomes a player and you move Kiki to the other side, on, imagine if it goes Kiki on the left side, Clark in the middle, Gary on the right side, and then Smith and Smith on the outside. How do you throw the football? How do you have time uh, to throw it? Montrevis Adams ever gets his shit together. Maybe yeah. he can, you know what I mean? So he could, he could rotate in there too, and you'd have a really devastating line. Montrevis Adams actually is a part of this whole Kenny Clark mix. If he gets a breather once in a while, Kenny Clark can be more effective. And For if sure. they can take – 
know, I think he played 85% of the snaps last year. That's way too many. Yeah. That's way too many. He's going to wear out, and, they, and they're wearing him out already. If we bring in Daniels or Kiki can play or Adams can play and, you know, take 15% of the snaps away from Kenny Clark, he's going to be a great, even greater player than he already is. Yeah, Petten's got to do a little bit more time management this year on a couple of those guys, especially the Smiths. That's already been brought up uh, to him. You know, his, his response has been that he's going to get these guys rotated out because those guys were, you know, by the time the NFC Championship game came, game came around, those guys were smoked. Mm-hmm. The Smiths, Clark, those guys were done, man. And if you and win 14 games in the regular season and then don't make the, don't make the Super Bowl, yeah. there's reasons for it, and you have to adjust, and hopefully they will adjust. I mean, Montrevious Adams can come in in the middle of a game for a, a series. You know what I mean? Why can't he? Right. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. If he doesn't, then Clark is not going to be the high-impact player I want him to be. But Kenny Clark is my second guy. Um, I feel like if those guys can play – a, a little bit above what they played last year, then we should be expecting the Packers to go back to the NFC Championship again. Let's move on. Topic two, Jordy Nelson. Want to talk a little bit about Jordy Nelson? Yeah. I mean, he just got inducted into, what, Kansas State Hall of Fame? Yeah. So he's, he's just embarked. I mean, my thoughts on Jordy Nelson are, are just – I have a bad taste in my mouth every time I, I think about it and kind of like the way he exited – Packers organization kind of like all of the like you know impact and star players it's never like this nice goodbye right it's it's always like this contentious or just strange separation that happens and I think that he's going to be a Packer Hall of Famer there's no question about that but you just don't do those guys like that right I mean I know it was a salary cap thing but they cut him away to you know to help bring in Graham we all know how that turned out, but to see him like go to the Raiders for a year, I mean, he, he still had gas in the tank is my point, I guess. And I really think he could have helped the Packers in those years. I think he had at least two years left to see him go away and, and go to the Raiders and just kind of have a, a year with the Raiders is kind of like, it's just not how you want to end your career. Right. I would say that the Packers have done a pretty minus Favre and how they handled that whole mess. But, but besides Favre, I feel like the Packers have gotten rid of guys at the right time. They've been very lucky to see guys not come back with other teams. Minus, okay, Micah Hyde is, a, is an example, uh, and Casey Hayward too. So I'm wrong already. Yeah. I've already thought of ideas where, of guys who have come back. But Nelson played one year with the Raiders. He had a pretty good year. He caught over 60 yeah. balls, and that was with Carr as his quarterback. So right. he did have something in the tank. Now, the Packers could not have come back. They had both Cobb and Nelson uh, in contract years at the same time, and they did not sign either one of them. The problem is they brought in Jimmy Graham, so it looks like it was a, we got rid of these two guys, we picked up Jimmy Graham, and Jimmy Graham's only impact was that he <laughs> took money, you know, from yeah. the Packers. So it does look, it does look bad. I don't know if the Packers offered Nelson a contract or even offered, offered Cobb a contract, but you would like to at least see them give something. Because I agree with you. I think if Nelson signs, let's say, for two years, or Cobb, but we're talking about Jordy Nelson. If Jordy Nelson signs for two years and he's playing with Aaron Rodgers, he's more than 60 catches last year. Oh, yeah. And I think he's playing this year. 
I don't, he doesn't retire. If he's got a year left on his Packer deal, I don't think he retires. And I think that in that way, it would have been nice for them to at least give him a shot because he can clearly still play. And is he better than Jake Kumro? Yes. Is he better well, yeah. than MVS and, and St. Brown? Yeah. I'd say he probably is for right sure. now. Yeah, right now. Retired. But he's been on, he's been on all these uh, interviews of late I've, I've seen on the internet and stuff, and he's adamantly saying, no way, no chance I'm coming back. So he's done. Yeah, he's retired. And, and I mean, at least we know he's not going to end up with the Jets or something. And the reason I bring back the, the point about, like, not keeping him a Packer is it could impact his, you know, chances of getting to the NFL Hall of Fame, which we're going to talk about. I don't think he gets in the Hall of Fame. He's a great player, and I think he could make an impact this year if he was on the Packer roster. But there's guys with better stats than him that are not in the Hall of Fame. And there's also guys who are in the Hall of Fame who have much lesser stats than Nelson. So it's kind of like one of those things. So, I mean, right now they have this thing where they like some stat nerd somewhere compiles all these stats up, and they actually give players a Hall of Fame basically like a rating number his is 40.45 and then the average for a wide receiver is 106.22 so he's he's off the mark as far as like the numbers go like isaac uh, what, but but it's like what do those numbers mean is that the criteria these are just stats right but there's right. other factors that go into like the voting selection and, and everything else so like i like i mentioned there are guys with much less stats career stats who are in the shocking one that I saw for myself was uh, when I was going down the list was like Lynn Swan, right? I mean, you and I grew up with Lynn Swan. I mean, he was like, you know, even though we're Packer fans, like in that era, that Super Bowl era of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Lynn Swan was the shit. He was. I loved that guy. <laughs> he made so you many know? acrobatic catches. Like he was, he was a different player. Dude, he only played eight years and he had – 5,400 yards and 51 touchdowns. That's way off the mark from what Nelson had. Yeah, Nelson has more than in both categories, doesn't he? Yeah, oh, easily. So it's like, where do you draw the line, right? It kind of depends on the era you played in, who you played with, your accomplishments. You know, how did your team do? Oh, 100%. You are compared to the guys in your era because – you know, in the 60s, they didn't throw it 45 times a game. You can't compare, like, stats from guys in the 60s and 70s to guys in the – especially the run-and-shoot era, right? I mean, like, yeah. the, the, the era of – like, when Sterling Sharp played, and I was going to bring him up, like, Sterling Sharp is not in the Hall of Fame and probably will never make the Hall of Fame either uh, because of his shortened career. But Sterling Sharp caught over 100 balls two times. But that was an era where guys were catching over 100 balls. I mean, it was right. – it was. I wouldn't want to say it was common – but it was way more common then than it is now today. Like that was a pass happy era where receivers were king. While we're on the topic of Hall of Fame and receivers in particular, the one name that I also caught my eye was Lofton. And you and I grew up with Lofton. Yeah. Um, in the 80s. Dickie to Lofton. Yeah. Dickie to Lofton. I, I didn't really realize. I, I mean, I knew he was a Hall of Famer and everything. I just never really like took the time to like look at his stats and stuff and see how impressive it actually was. I mean, dude is off the charts. I mean, he's up there in the one, two, three, like the top seven of the rating system for Hall of Fame wide receivers. Wow. And that, that list includes like Rice, Moss, Harrison, Owens. And his rating, like I mentioned before. His Hall of Fame rating? 
Yes, Hall of Fame rating is 126.81. I mean, crazy numbers. Crazy numbers. So, and he had 14,000 yards. I think you don't that's realize insane. it. Yeah. When they're playing, how great they are sometimes. You kind of take it for granted. Yeah, he had crazy stats. And you see Rice at the top, his Hall of Fame metrics. No one comes close. His are no. 300, 311. The next guy down is Moss with 149. That's, you know, that's the as big of a gap Rice We <laughs> throw Goat around, like Goat, greatest of all time. Jerry Rice, is, it is even close. He is the greatest wide receiver of all time and probably ever will be. Unless they all of a sudden start playing 20-game seasons, nobody is going to surpass those, those stats. Because not only was Jerry Rice amazing, he played forever. Yeah, he did. I saw that too. I was like, I didn't realize he played, what was it, 20 years? 19 or 20 years? Speaking of the Hall of Fame, when is Leroy Butler going to get in the Hall of Fame? It is a travesty that he is not in the Professional Football Hall of Fame. I, I just don't get it. So I was looking at the Hall of Fame inductees for this year. Now, granted, they have that centennial yeah. version of the Hall of Fame this year, so there are more yeah. guys getting in than usual. Steve Atwar gets in talk about him in a second donnie shell gets in as part of that centennial group and then bobby dylan who i had not heard of until you brought him up also gets in so there are three safeties going into the nfl hall of fame this year and Leroy butler is not one of them it's ridiculous start as a lambo leap yeah and his <laughs> that his alone def- should get you in right yes he, he created a celebration <laughs> that other teams have now borrowed but it has its own name let me go through some stats for Leroy Butler just just for kicks so yeah, he played from 1990 to 2001 so he played what is that 12 seasons in the NFL he played 181 games the only season that he, he well he missed a couple games here and there but he, he played he started 165 games He had 38 interceptions, one for a touchdown, 13 forced fumbles, two for touchdowns. He had 20 and a half sacks. Those are, you think, I don't know. Are those great numbers? I don't know. So I thought I would look up Steve Atwater. Steve Atwater's statistics are nowhere near what Leroy Butler's are. Hmm. The only statistic that Atwater holds over Leroy Butler is the amount of tackles. He's got like 150 more tackles over the same, almost the same like length of career. But Butler has been picks, touchdowns, fumbles, forced, and sacks. Butler has better statistics than Atwater in every one of those categories. He's obviously eligible. Yes. Why is he not in the hall? Steve Atwater played 11 years in the league. He had five sacks in 11 years. He had six forced fumbles, so half of what Butler had. And he had like 20 picks or something. He had like half the amount of interceptions that Leroy Butler had. Atwater was on the Broncos, right? He played for the Broncos for almost – he played all but one year in a Bronco uniform. Okay. Yeah. They, how many Super Bowls were there during that time period? Well, no. he, would have played in, he would have played in the one where they beat the Packers uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, we don't like And that. in the one – yeah, so right. They try to repress that, but he would have been around for that Super Bowl. So he has a Super Bowl ring, but Butler has a Super Bowl ring too. Right. It's not yep. like like Atwater has five rings and Leroy Butler has one. There's absolutely no reason 
that he shouldn't be in. I, yeah. I just don't get it. I, and then I started thinking, oh, I'm going to look up Donnie Shell too, because Donnie Shell is in the league, in the Hall of Fame this year as part of the centennial thing. Donnie Shell should have gotten in before Steve Atwater. Now, granted, Shell played with the Steelers throughout the um, – the glory years of being a Steeler, right? Like he was there during the 70s and early 80s, but his stats are, are I don't want to call them Jerry Rice level because nobody has Jerry Rice level stats other than Jerry Rice. But as a safety in the, pro, in the NFL, Donnie Shell had bananas stats. And the fact that he didn't make the Hall of Fame as a vote-in and had to get in with the Centennial crowd is also mind-boggling. Do you, yeah, you were telling me a little bit about this Bobby Dylan dude. Yeah. <laughs> Tell Bobby me a little, because he's a Packer, former Packer. <laughs> yeah. I have no clue who he is. None. Yeah. Yeah, Bobby Dylan. All time Packers interception leader, 52. Four time All Pro. Yeah, kind of the cool thing about this guy is he played his entire career with one eye. He had a glass eye. <laughs> he had a glass eye. He had a piece of metal stuck in his eye for a while, and that screwed up one eye, and then he got hit in the face with a board, and that screwed, up, that screwed it up. Even, and then they were like, you know, back then, I'm sure there wasn't too many uh, optometrists running around with, like, state-of-the-art state technology. So they just were like, take that thing out. You know, here's a glass one. And yet he um, still – and he played with a bunch – if he was born in a 30, that probably puts him in the league in the mid-50s, right? Yeah. So he played – his all-pro seasons were 54, 55, 57, and 58. But through those years, the Packers weren't very good. Yeah, they were um, awful. Yeah, they were terrible. So his, his only really actual winning year was, the, was his final year where um, Lombardi – he was going to retire, and Lombardi asked him to come back, and then halfway through the season he got hurt. But it's really cool to see. He, definitely a cool story, right, playing safety with one eye. Well, playing safety with one eye with a really bad Packer team who won like six games in his, you know, while he was there. Why did they yeah. even have to throw the ball against the fifties Packers? I can't, his stats are even better because of that. They probably didn't have to throw it ever against the Packers. And still he came up with 52 picks in that time. That's yeah. crazy. Incredible that's, stats. That's pretty awesome. That's an awesome yeah. story. I honestly had never heard of the guy before you brought him up. Bobby Dillon, Packer Hall of Famer. Yeah. Speaking of Hall of Famers, so Charles Woodson, he will be eligible for the Hall next year in 2021. That's going to be a pretty great class. Uh, I think Peyton Manning will be in that class too. Yeah, um, it'll be strong. Charles Woodson going to make it into the Hall as a Packer or as a Raider? What do you think? Well, of course I'm going to say Packers. <laughs> we so. want him to get in as a Packer. For <laughs> yeah, sure. of course. Of course. I mean, I, I think the, he had way more impact uh, on the team as a Packer than he did as a Raider. I mean, he was already a, a pro bowler coming in um, from the Raiders, but, you know, he, he was, you know, one of the pieces that enabled the Packers to win a Super Bowl. There's no doubt about that. I say Packers all the way. I, I think I want him to go in as a Packer. He played more years with the Raiders than he did with the Packers, so I don't. I'm sure that has some kind of sway, but don't think. Yeah. I don't know if they get to choose or not. That's what I was just going to ask you. I, I wonder how that goes. Does yeah. the player choose? Do, do they have some type of criteria? Does the Hall of Fame have this criteria where, like, you you have to have played X amount of if you played for multiple teams, the one with X amount of years, or, or I don't know how that goes. But I don't know. He played 11 years with the Raiders and seven with the Packers. So 18, 18 years total. 
Yeah, because yeah. he went back to the Raiders after the Packers. He had five interceptions when he was 39 years old. That, yeah. guy, that guy's amazing. He, he really is. His Still the only, the only player are, to win the uh, Heisman as a defensive player. Right. I want to see him play. I want to see him play against the Badgers in like 96 or 97. It was raining the whole day. I took my buddy who had just gotten married to a Badger game. and Char- We went to see Charles Woodson because the Badgers were good. Oh, of course. But Woodson was there, and he, I think he scored that day too and did the old Heisman pose, which he is also famous for. Like, I feel like he's the one that – He wasn't like a big weight room guy. He wasn't like a big, you know, training offseason kind of guy. He was just pure talent, and he knew it. And, he, he, he you know, he took care of his – he was one of those first sure. guys that took care of his body. He Who, sure not, did. Like he was, I'm taking off on Wednesdays or whatever. Like he was, I'm going to kind of do what I need to do to stay healthy and keep my body right throughout the season. But he was never going to be that guy who was just going to, you know, go over the top as far as training. And maybe that's what kept him so healthy over the years and play 15 years. Could be. So he played seven with the Packers, 11 with the Raiders. I just want to go through, through some of these stats. Cause I feel like he should go in as a Packer just on stats alone. Because he played – if he would have retired when the Packers let him go at 35, it would have been 7-7. Seven and seven. You know what I mean? It would have been 7 right. with yep. the Raiders and 7 with the Packers. Now, granted, he clearly – oh, no, sorry. It would have been – he would have had one more year with the Raiders. It would have been 15 years in the league, 8 with the Raiders and 7 with the Packers. Numbers are hard. But in the seven years that he played in Green Bay, he had nine defensive touchdowns. In the 11 years he played with the Raiders, he only had two. He also had – 11 and a half sacks with the Packers in seven years and only eight and a half with the Raiders. His Packer statistics are just better. They're not close. When you average them out, the amount of tackles and stuff he had too, it's, he had more, he had 18 of his 21 pack of quarterback hits with the Packers. Hmm. 18 of 21. That's crazy. Now granted he was playing a little, he was playing in a, he played safety a little bit with the Packers. So he had a mm-hmm. little bit more opportunity, yep. but he did then come back with the Raiders and play safety, you know, in yep. a second turnaround with, with the Raiders. I don't know. I think that he should go in as a Packer because we're Packer fans, but also the statistics say that he probably should. Based on stats, that's how it goes with the Hall of Fame. I really don't even know, but based on stats, he's a Packer going into the Hall of Fame. I, you makes you wonder about what his – if they were to ask him, if the choice was up to Blitzen, what he would say. Yeah, I wonder. He was always a fan favorite on both sides of the, you know, both the Raiders fans and Packer fans, right? Right. So it's It's like he's going to piss off either fan base no matter what he decides. If this is a Raider podcast, we're just telling how he played more years with Oakland than he played with Green Bay and he should go into the Hall of Fame as a Raider just because of that. And I I really don't – I do care because I'm a Packer fan, but I also wouldn't have a whole – a big problem with him going in as a Raider. Because I get it. He was drafted by the Raiders. He finished his career with the Raiders. Whatever. Either way. The other thing I was going to say about Charles Woodson, Charles Woodson proved to me that, that Dom Capers and Ted Thompson could not coexist successfully for the long haul. Charles Woodson's statistics were great because he was a super smart. Not only was he athletic, Charles Woodson understood defense. Yeah. The reason he was able to to make such high impact plays because he knew where he needed to be on the field. He could take chances. He knew where to take chances. 
And he was always in the right place at the right time. He never seemed to be out of place. And the reason that the, the Packers and Ted Thompson could not be successful with Dom Capers is because they were always in that draft mode. They were always playing <laughs> yeah. young guys back there. Charles Woodson didn't come to the Packers until he was 30. And then somehow had all these, you know, he had seven successful seasons after 30. I, I think it's because he was that smart. And I think that's why the Packers couldn't have success with Dom Capers anymore. Cause they had all young guys back there and couldn't make those kind of plays that Woodson can make. So I couldn't wait to see Capers exit. Yeah. Just, I feel like was he was rough. set up to fail. I, I really do. Like, I, I don't think that he could have ever been successful in the draft strategy that the Packers had, or the, just the acquisition strategy that the Packers had. It was always, we're going to draft young guys, and then we're going to let those guys go when they get too expensive, and we're going to draft guys in their place. Well, if you don't have guys that have played the position for four or five years, especially safeties in, the, in Dom Capers' defense, you can't be successful. In Pittsburgh, yeah. that's what he had. He had guys that had played the position for a long time and were able to, you know, they were smart enough to make plays and knew where the holes were and, and that kind of thing. Woodson was that guy too. Great player. I think that's about all we have today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a good yeah. show. It was a good show. Real quickly, just want to shout out to our sponsors because we didn't do it in the beginning and that doesn't usually happen. Uh, thanks to thirdeyegraphics.net, Andy at thirdeyegraphics.net for our great graphics. Uh, go see him if you have any graphics needs. And again, thanks to Dwight at DDG Customs. I love our shirts. I hope they have they gotten to you yet. You get your shirts I have, yet? I haven't got them yet. I haven't oh, got them yet. I'll check the mail today. I haven't looked on there. I put it like three day mail, but the kayak doesn't. You know, somebody's yeah. paddling that kayak slowly. Someone. So. And thanks to our guest, thanks our very first our guest, guest, our very first interview. Yes, he did better than the guy interviewing him. So I'll, hopefully, my questions don't sound super stupid. Yeah. <laughs> the seven year old did a great job. The forty eight year old, not so much. He did great. Yes, he did. But that's all we have. Go pack up. Go pack, go.